Now, uh, this morning, uh, Andrew, the song that Andrew just sang is completely appropriate, uh, the power of the cross. We're going to be looking at the power of the cross together this morning. It's interesting, yesterday um, we have these text circles, and in the text circle that Robbie West is in, he posted a passage out of Galatians. We're going to just look at four passages in Galatians, four passages in Galatians. That's going to cause us to jump to a couple of other places. Uh, we'll look at a couple of other passages in a couple of other places. But four things in Galatians where the crucifixion is brought before us. We're going to look, as we begin this new year, we're going to look at the blessedness of the crucifixion. And I know that may sound odd when you consider the fact that the crucifixion is a criminal death, a painful death, a public death, a humiliating death, and a certain death. They didn't take live people down off the cross. And it didn't, they didn't care how long it took for you to die. You stayed there until you died. The longer you were there, the worse it was. The worse it became for you, the worse it was for those who had to watch you endure this. But it was a criminal death, and it was not meant to be something that people enjoyed, if you understand what I'm saying. But we're going to look at the power of the crucifixion in your life, the power of the crucifixion in my life. We're going to see it right from the Word of God today in Galatians. Uh, next week, Lord willing, next week, we'll get back to our study of Second Peter, but the Lord just really impressed upon my heart this Sunday as we begin the new year together, my first uh, sermon of the new year, that we would look at the blessedness, at the blessedness of the power of the crucifixion in our lives. And we see the first one here in verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And here I, we'll read it together. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now the truths that we're going to see to this morning are summed up in this verse. Now this is a remarkable thing. This is so important that you understand. If you're here this morning and trying to make yourself right with God by going to church, please abandon that now. You cannot make yourself right with God. In fact, you are so not right with God, God in yourself that you had to be put to death. God cannot fix us. He doesn't need to fix us. He can make us new creatures. This is what's happened. You deserved judgment. And Christ took that judgment, but God put you to death, right? For I am crucified with Christ. Not only did our Lord Jesus die on the cross, but he put me to death on the cross with him. This is such, this may sound tragic to some of you because but it's only because you don't understand the liberty that you now have having been dealt with completely god is not trying to make you earn your way to heaven he put you to death in our lord jesus christ christ has done everything to pay for your sins and god has put your old man to death amen 
So you don't have to live that way anymore. Now, can you still live that way? Yes, you can. You can still let a dead man, your old man, ruin your everyday life if you want him to. But he doesn't have to anymore. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Because you're a new creature. And the life which I now live in the flesh. In other words, in this corporeal body, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live not in the faith, but by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, the same power that caused Christ to have everything He needed, I now have. This is amazing to me, that all that Christ needed to live a perfect life, He has given as a gift to you and I when He made us new creatures. So now, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the first point is that Christ has been crucified. The foundation of the truths that we will see, there's only three truths we'll see. There are four passages. The first one is the summary. Galatians 2.20, write that in your notes. The summary, Galatians 2.20. Now, let's go to Galatians 3, verse 1, and we will see the first point. Christ has been crucified. The Lord Jesus Christ himself has been crucified. Galatians 3.1 O oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself was crucified. We don't have time this morning to go back into uh, the, the Gospels and to look at the use of the word crucifixion or crucified or crucified. We don't have time. You should go look at it. You should, again, you live in an age where you can just take your phone out. Most of you can take your phone out of your pocket, open a Bible app, open the search feature, and you can find whatever it is you want to find. And so you can find these things. If not, you can do it on your computer. But we have the opportunity, as a baby Christian, I learned what a Strong's Concordance was. And a Strong's Concordance allowed me to look up things that I was confident were in my Bible. I just didn't know where. Amen? You know, and that's still, you know, that's still true. There are still times now when a passage comes to my mind and I think to myself, hmm, I think that's either here or here. But I don't have to think that way. I can just say, well, you know, let's find out where it is. And let's go right to it right now. So you can do that. And I really recommend to you, spend more time running around in your Bible. Spend more time going here and here and here and seeing the different passages. But I want you to, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read to you. Write down John 19, though. John 19. And here I'm going to read these verses. You just follow along as I read them. John 19, 16. Then delivered he him, delivered our Lord Jesus, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. In verse 18 where they crucified him, and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. In verse 20, this title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. In verse 23, then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts <clears throat> to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. 
In verse 32, Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with our Lord Jesus. And then in verse 41, Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein never man yet laid. Now what I want you to notice is this. So we see in these passages, one, two, three, four, five, six passages in John 19, where it talks about Jesus being crucified. What I want you to understand about this is this. God the Father is not ashamed to point out to us that his son died a criminal's death. That his, done, that his son died a humiliating death. The Father is not ashamed of this. In fact, we're going to see it a little bit later. Paul said that when he was preaching to the Corinthians, it was in his heart to preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. Listen, our salvation was paid for through the crucifixion. We have nothing to be proud of, but we have everything to be thankful for. Do you understand? A proud Christian is an oxymoron. There is no reason for anybody who has been saved to brag or to boast about anything except, and we'll see that at the end today, except for the cross. That's what we have to brag about. That's what I have to boast in. I have to boast about, I get to brag about the fact that my God came and became flesh and then died a criminal's death, a humiliating, mocking criminal's death to pay for my sin, to pay for your sin. That's your salvation. You want to boast? Talk about that. When you stand around, you know, it's easy. It really is. You know, we joke about it. Um, I joke about, you know, I call Brother Daryl Moore Yankee fan, you know, because he's misguided and he's a Yankee fan. And uh, so if we talk about baseball, we, you know, we can either talk about the Red Sox or the Yankees, but that doesn't make for... Um, well, it makes for playful conversation is really what it makes for. But let us talk about our Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? It's easy to stand around and boast and brag about the state that you're from or the armed force that you serve in or the sport team that you, that you cheer for, whatever it is. But let us stand around and talk about our Lord Jesus. Let our conversation be such as becometh the children of God. Let it not be strange that we would talk about the blood of Christ which paid for our sin, about the one that died upon the cross to save us. And what we're going to see together this morning is the tremendous power that comes from this. I don't have time to go through all of these verses. I do want to draw your attention to verse 18 for just a moment. John 19, 18, it says, Where they, where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. Jesus is in the midst even in the crucifixion. Jesus is in the center even in the crucifixion. Amen? And here's the truth. Here is the truth whether the world wants to hear it or not. All of mankind is on one side or the other of Jesus at the crucifixion. Do you understand? They were thieves. They had stolen. And all of mankind has stolen their lives away from the God that created them. And Christ has paid for our crimes. Now here's the thing. You're either going to receive Christ, which one of the two thieves did, or you're not going to receive Christ, which the other one did not do. And you're going to, be, you're going to die, and you're either going to die and be in paradise with Christ, 
or you're going to go to the hell that you deserve because you are just getting the judgment that you deserve. That's your choices. That's all there is. When I was a baby Christian going, no, it's not even true. When I was a young Bible student, I actually went to Bible college when I was older. When I went to Bible college and I was studying that passage, I was going to preach a message about everybody, all of humanity is gathered at the cross because the Romans were at the cross and the Jews were at the cross and the leaders were at the cross and the, and the uh, soldiers were at the cross and the common people were at the cross and mom was at the cross. Everybody was at the cross, but then God showed me, no, Chuck, you don't have to show them all of those things. Show them Jesus and the two people because that's where everybody is. Do you understand? You are dying, all of you. We are all dying, and we, are, and we deserve judgment. But, but God so loved the world. Whether they receive it or reject it, whether they mock it, whether they pretend that he doesn't even exist, God still so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we are one of those two thieves. And you can either turn to the one on the other side and say, look, you need to be quiet. Because we are dying for what we deserve. But this man, he's done nothing amiss. He's done nothing wrong. Don't you talk to him like that anymore. Amen? I don't care what the world, I really don't care what the world thinks anymore. I don't, I don't, listen, and here's the good news. God has even taken the chip off my shoulder. In other words, I don't, I don't have to argue. I don't have to fuss. I don't have to fight. I don't have to be right. I have Jesus. And Jesus is worthy. And it humbles me. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I never did deserve it. I never will deserve it. But Jesus died for me. And he died for you. Christ's crucifixion was no mere work of men. This is made reference in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Excuse me, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read them again. You don't have to turn. You can write them down, though. Go to them later. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Him, speaking of our Lord Jesus being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. This crucifixion is not the mere actions of men. They think they are doing their will when they crucify him. They are doing it for evil, but God is doing it for good. Amen? Jesus is dying, but they're not taking his life. He makes it very clear before he goes to the cross that he's laying down his life. Even, by the way, hanging on the cross, you still can't kill him. He has to lay down his life. And he does lay down his life. And he says, Father, into thy hands commit I my spirit. It is finished, I am done, and I am coming home. Amen? Acts chapter 2, the same chapter, verse 36. Therefore... Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen? They crucified the Lord of glory. And he's coming again. You know, it's interesting, in response to this, in response to this, the crowd hears this, and this is what their response is. They say, men and brethren, what shall we do? They're aware of it. They agree with it. They know that they have done exactly what has been said. What can we do now? We have crucified the Lord. We have crucified the Christ. What can we do? And his response is what? Repent. Repent. 
What a wonderful truth repent is. Amen? What a wonderful truth repentance is. God says to you, you are guilty. And you say, I am guilty. But what can I do? Repent. You can't earn salvation, but you can acknowledge guilt. Amen? That's all repentance is. I am guilty. I deserve guilty. I change my mind about everything I've ever thought, everything I've ever done. I change my mind, and I believe you now. I agree, God. I do not agree with the church. I do not agree with the preacher. I agree with you at your word. That's what God wants for us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Amen? Now, by the way, this starts bleeding over immediately into the wonderful consequences of the resurrected Christ. The Christ that was crucified, he, he, because he died, he died unto sin once, but he liveth unto God eternally. And so now, here's the wonderful news. All of the things on the other side of the cross are now ours. All of eternal life is now all ours. All of the power of God is now ours. And that brings us to what Christ wants us to understand. Christ alone was crucified for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13, we read this. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? In other words, everything that is necessary for your salvation, guess who did it? Jesus. Jesus did it all. You know what? It's not in my notes. I want you to run with me for just a moment. Turn quickly to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Boy, what a wonderful truth this is. Oh, how I love this passage. Hebrews chapter 1. We just, it's just the uh, first three verses we'll look at. Hebrews chapter 1, the first three verses. God, speaking of God the Father. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the Father by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who, his son, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen? When he had by himself, how can you be saved by Christ alone? Period. Nothing else, nothing else. Don't trust anything else. Don't Christ, don't Christ, don't trust Christ plus your baptism. Don't trust Christ plus your church attendance. Don't trust Christ plus your good works. If you're trusting Christ plus something, what you have is not a biblical salvation. It is Christ, period. Period. All by himself. By himself purged our sins. Did Paul help? Did David help? Did Abraham help? No. Can I help? I can only point. I cannot help. Do you understand? All I can do is point you to Jesus. That's all I can do. And by the way, I can only point you to Jesus before you're saved. And if you want to know what's gonna, what you need in your life after you're saved, Pastor, my wife and I are going through the difficulty. I'm just going to point you to Jesus. 
Do you understand? Because you need to look away from everything else unto the author and finisher of your faith. You need to keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the problem with church. People come to church and look at each other. Now, it's okay to come to church and love one another, but it is not okay to come to church and look at each other. When we come to church, we must look unto Jesus. When we preach, we must preach Christ. When we teach, we must teach the Word of God. It is all about the focus and the attention always being on Jesus alone. He alone was crucified for us. And that's why it says just a little bit later in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling blocks and under Greeks foolishness. And it says in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The message that we preach today, listen to me, it's not a popular message. It's not. I'm sorry that it's not a popular message. But the truth of the Word of God is still this. The focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ who died to save us from our sins. That's the focus. And by the way, I do not, I cannot for the life of me, and I mean this with all of my heart, when I was a baby Christian, when I was first saved, when someone gave me the gospel, I was saved at the age of 22. To my knowledge, having gone to church, by the way, a lot of times, I had never heard the gospel before. When I, the first, now some, I've heard many people say in their testimony, I heard the gospel many times and I rejected it. And then God was gracious and allowed me to hear it again and I received it. Well, that's not what happened in my life. In my life, I did not hear the gospel until I was 22. And when I heard the gospel, I was, I can't tell you how amazed I was. Why would God be for me? Why would God be on my side? See, I believed there was a God. I knew there was a God. I just knew I was in trouble. I just knew that eventually I was going to run into him, and it was not going to go well when I ran into him because I had violated so many things he had told me clearly not to do. And I'm not talking about what somebody else told me. I'm talking about what my conscience told me. My conscience condemned me. I knew I was guilty. Why, why would he love me? But I signed up for it immediately. As soon as I realized that I could trade my wickedness for his righteousness because he wanted to, I said, I'll do that. I'm glad to do that. I'm glad to be forgiven of my sins. Amen. And I was so confident, you know, I'm not exaggerating. Within, within weeks of my salvation, I had led probably half a dozen to a dozen people to Christ. And, and it was simply this. I couldn't shut up. I mean, honestly, I mean, I might as well have found the cure to cancer. I went around, it was better than the cure to cancer. I just kept telling everybody, man, I'm telling you, you got to read your Bible. Jesus is awesome. Jesus will save anybody. Jesus is who he says he is. It was so wonderful. I couldn't wait to get home and to tell my loved ones about this salvation, about this Savior. Couldn't wait to tell them. Got home and told them, I might as well have told them about a new paint. It was like nobody cared. Going around to all of my extended family, to all my old friends, telling them about this, this wonderful Jesus. And they all thought, oh, that's good for you. No, no, it's not good for me. It's good for you. It's good for everybody. But understand this. The message is Christ crucified. But everybody doesn't receive this. Everybody doesn't care. And, I, and I'm sorry that that's true, but it is still the truth. Jesus, and who, by the way, those that have rejected this, Many of my extended family, by the way, have been saved. It took a long time for God to save them, but they have been saved. Many of them, most of them in my immediate family have been saved. The only one is my father. My father is still unsaved. Both my fathers, if you want to do the math, you know what I'm saying, are still unsaved. The man that is my actual father and the man that raised me, they're both still unsaved. But they must receive Christ. 
They must trust in the crucifixion for their salvation. Number two, not only has Christ been crucified, but our flesh has been crucified. Galatians chapter 5. This we're going to read together. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're just going to read two passages and we'll be done. Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 13. Our flesh has been crucified. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told, also told you in time past, that, the, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Listen to this. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Notice what God is saying to us here. so wonderful. If you are a new creature, then you have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. Now, here's the problem. Please look up here. If you're a new creature, your old man is still a, a brat okay he's still a wretch he's still selfish he's still mean he's still everything that he was but he's been put to death he no longer gets to run your life unless you let him now notice what it says and they which are christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. In other words, that which used to drive you no longer needs to drive you. That which used to draw you away no longer needs to draw you away. It has been crucified. This is a blessed consequence of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and you dying with him because you see, sin no longer has dominion over you. It says it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, knowing this, that your old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Praise God. Amen? Now listen, no, listen. Let me help you with this. How many of you here would, would say honestly, which, just, let's, let's, just, let's take a moment and just be, you know, right out loud honest. You, and you can raise your hand if you want to. How many of you would say, I really believe, as you've spoken about these things, preacher, I really believe that I have trusted Christ's blood, Christ's crucifixion 
for my salvation. I really believe that I'm a new creature. I really believe that's true. Raise your hand if that's true about you. It's an awful lot of hands. It's the vast majority. Go ahead and put your hands down. Now, how many of you understand the wrestling match that I'm talking about with the lust of the flesh? Anybody else want to raise their hand to that? Yeah. Isn't it, listen, isn't it wonderful that God tells you, I crucified your flesh? He doesn't have to run your life anymore. Do you understand? The next time you want to pout, you don't have to. The next time you want to get angry, you don't have to. You don't have to. It used to be the only option you had, right? Before, before I was saved, I could only do what I wanted to do, right? Now, I thought that was liberty. I thought that was freedom. The problem was sin was ruining it. Do you understand? I thought I was in charge, and I wasn't in charge. My affections and my lusts were in charge. They were driving me. They were drawing me. They were taking away from everything good. I was a victim of my own wretchedness. But now I've been set free from that. All I have to say is this. No. 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 No, you can't. Chuck, you can't have your way anymore. You know, we were talking about it on, we were talking about it on Thursday night this week. You know, your, arm, your, your, your flesh likes to put his arm around you and say, we're close. Yeah, we're too close. We're, 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 we're friends. No, we're not friends. I've been with you through everything. You put me through everything. You are, your flesh is not your friend. Jesus is your friend. The Holy Spirit of God, which now liveth in you, he's your friend. See, he loves you and has given you the power not to have to live according to your flesh anymore. And here's the wonderful thing. This being true, you no longer feel the need to judge anybody. Here's what I find. People always want to point out either somebody, either your fault when they're talking to you or somebody else's fault when they're talking to you because they want to avoid their faults. But see, here's the thing. If you've really been set free, you don't even care about your faults anymore. Because Christ has paid for your faults, right? I don't want to live that way anyway. But I don't have to be afraid of the disaster that I am because God dealt with it on the cross, amen? So I don't have to live like that anymore. But I don't have to put you down to lift me up because Jesus already saved me, amen? So I can now be kind to you when you fail. I can now help you when you're going through a hard time instead of talking to other people about you when you're going through a hard time. God help us to understand this. So Christ has been crucified, our flesh has been crucified, and finally the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. This is in Galatians chapter 6. So we saw in Galatians chapter 3 that Christ has been crucified. In Galatians chapter 5, we see that our flesh has been crucified. And then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, starting in verse 11, we see that the world is crucified. Praise God for this. Now let's look. Chapter 6, verse 11, and we'll be done in just a few minutes. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. In other words, they constrain you to earn your salvation. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be unto them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. 
From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of our Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Here's the thing. You do not have to worry about what anybody else will tell you you need to do for your salvation or for your walk with God. You just need to let God tell you. Period. And it comes back to the crucifixion. The world and even the religious world, because he's not talking about the world out there in this chapter. He's talking about the world that goes to church. The people that say, oh, no, if you're going to be a good Christian, or if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. No, 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 no. I have to trust Christ. Now, you want to be a mature Christian? You have to trust Christ. You want to be a useful Christian? You have to trust Christ. You want to be a serving Christian? You have to trust Christ. Amen? Period, period, period. Just trust God at his word. And this, listen, this is it. This is the end of the message this morning. All year long, may every one of you that teach Sunday school or go down to do CEF or go to Cedar, uh, Cedar Manor or, or go to the Sands or go to the brig, or the jail, or the union mission, or teach in this building. May everything that we do, may everything that we preach and teach, just come from the Word of God, by the way, in its context, right? Let the Word of God speak for itself. The Bible doesn't need your help. Don't get cute and clever with the Word of God. Just open it. Just open it, preach it, teach it, trust God. Each and every one of you who just hear, and I'm praying, by the way, my, the, the burden that God has given, we'll talk a little bit about it tonight, we'll talk more about it next week, the burden that God has given me has to do with us being ready for what God wants to do in our lives, and that is this, that all of us would serve, that all of us would serve as God would have us to serve, but not to earn favor with God, that all of us would serve because we have favor with God, and we know people who don't. Do you understand? That your service would not be to please God, but that your service would be because God is pleased with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you have so great a salvation that it would be in each and every one of our hearts, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Not woe is me, I'm going to be in trouble with God, but my heart would be broken if I didn't tell others about how wonderful he is. If I wasn't ready to teach and to preach and to sing and to do the things that God has enabled me to do. I want to be involved in these things. I want to be. But I'm not doing it to earn anything. Everything I need, Jesus has already provided. What great salvation we have. What power of God we have. Christ has been crucified. Our flesh has been crucified. And the world has been crucified unto us. We have everything. Father, thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the blessing of your word. Lord, we look forward to being able to be back together tonight. Lord, to hear the testimony of what you have done and are doing in the lives of our brother and sister in China, and now, Lord, that you've brought them home for a little while. Lord, we look forward to having uh, the Lord's Supper together, to being able to, 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 to show forth your death, what you've done for us, until you come to get us. Lord, we look forward to just being able to assemble together, to rejoice in how great you are, to see from your word, to know your love. We ask you to bless. We ask you to be honored and glorified. We thank you and we praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.